As part of our professional development series for home educators, we're going to be talking about the educational model called classical education today. As promised, we're going to be learning from Hester Van Braden, who is a Canadian expert, you could say, on the topic of classical education. Welcome to Canada Homeschools, the dose of inspiration and encouragement for Canadian homeschoolers. Canada Homeschools features interviews with homeschool group organizers, resource suppliers, and conversations with everyday homeschoolers just like you, all from a Canadian perspective. I'm your host, Rowan Atkinson. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. <laughs> In 400 meters. In 100 meters. You have reached your destination. Welcome back to the Canada Homeschools podcast. Hester, how are you? I'm doing very well, Rowan. Thanks so much for having me back. I always enjoy chatting with you. Me too, and it's my pleasure. So today we're talking with you about classical education. Could you define what a classical education is for our listeners? It's one of the, my favorite topics, so um, I could go on for a while. Um, so classical education is, um, in a summary, uh, it's learning who we are as human beings um, made in the image of God and about God's creation and how we are to live well within that. Uh, as human beings, we have we are very complex and learning who we are and how to conduct ourselves and how people in the past have behaved and conducted themselves has been is a very, very important. It's very important to do to, to understand and to enjoy life to its fullest, to honor and glorify God. So that's sort of a, a nutshell, but we can unpack that for quite some time. Um, it's called classical because it's something that's been done before and it's being brought back now um, and more recently in the last so say 100 years or so um, it more and more educators are looking into how how did education come about before um, why are we in the current situation where education is just it's not producing thoughtful educated um, people well-rounded people so it so it is a way of going back and taking something that was done before and bringing it to today that's the classical part um, it's really nothing new under the sun and it's education because it it informs us academically as well on how uh, on, on what things we need to know, what we need to know um, in order to live a life that is to the honor and glory of God. So how do we go about doing that practically? Well, there are many different ways that uh, classical educators will present it. Um, personally, the way I see it is I believe that it's important for us to study ourselves, study history, study how human beings have been, how they've behaved, and shape good moral character. Um, and we can, as we, and we can use academic study uh, to 
to do that, to shape our moral academic character, uh, to shape our, we can use academia to shape our moral character. And as we do that, we get better at academia because we are more self-disciplined. We learn what are the vir our particular virtues we need to work on, what are our particular vices we need to fight against. So it's, it's a very human-based uh, type of education. It's very, but it goes right down to the very basics. Uh, I believe. Thank you. So when I think of classical, I think of Greeks and Romans and Latin and the trivium and the Renaissance. Can you speak to that? Yes. So that is one of the practical ways that classical education is taught. When we go way back in history, we hear a lot about, well, there's, we know we have the biblical account of, of what happened for the, with the Jewish nation. We also have the account of the Greeks um, and the Romans. And these were all very foundational civilizations. They were, they, they began a lot of thought that we still have today. And they laid groundwork and framework for um, a lot of today of Western cultures, um, governments, um, education systems, um, infrastructure, science, you name it. We all, a lot of what we know today is still based on Greek and Roman thought and culture. So we, it's very important as a classical educator then to go back and teach what, what it is that they thought. The Greeks were philosophers. They loved to think they wanted to save themselves by becoming better people, by thinking about, thinking, thinking their way to salvation, if you will. The Romans uh, were not, they were thinkers, but they, they came, of course, after the Greeks, so they were able to build upon that thinking, but they were a lot more practical in that they wanted to uh, legislate uh, human behavior so that they could achieve you know, the ultimate happiness and the ultimate human existence. Um, and as we know that that didn't work either, but what I do find very curious, I think it's a very important thing to understand about um, history and classical education is that while the Romans were in the height of their power, some backwoods town in, you know, over there at the end of the Mediterranean Sea, there was a baby born. His name was Jesus. And Jesus was going to show the world and what what salvation really, really meant. So while we do study the Greeks and the Romans, we also study Christian history and Christian um, uh, and theology, the biblical theology of salvation, knowing that we cannot save ourselves by philosophizing hard enough or by uh, creating as many laws as, as we want. Neither of those things are going to save us. Ultimately, we have to rest in the salvation of Jesus Christ, who teaches us that, yes, those things are important, uh, thinking about who we are, um, creating laws to live in harmony with each other, but that actually can only be done if we do that in the context of how Jesus tells us to be as human beings. Yes, I've been thinking a lot lately about republics and democracy in view of a lot of things that are going on in the world. And really a republic or a democracy is only as good, or in our case, a constitutional monarchy. It's really only as good as the character of the people who are voting and being voted for, because the majority can be very wrong. And, uh, and so, um, I think that ties in a little bit to what you're saying. You were saying that classical education is a very human, uh, like a study of humanity in a way. And um, one of my passions, much as I enjoy uh, STEM subjects, which are, you know, science and math and things like that, I feel like our education these days doesn't have much emphasis on the humanities. And yet, 
the humanities are so important because, for example, you can be a doctor, but if you don't also study ethics, philosophy, <laughs> things like that, you're not going to have some kind of framework for making ethical decisions with your science. So I think that um, our culture kind of pushes aside the humanities right now, but with classical education, it sounds like it would be a little more well-rounded. Can you speak to that? Am I right in thinking about that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the humanities are very important to classical education and largely because through the humanities, we understand how people have behaved in the past, what they have thought, what their behaviors have produced. So we can read through some beautiful poetry to understand metaphor and how someone saw the world or viewed something uh, something deep and theological and philosophical. So metaphor helps us to understand. Art is a very important component because we can see the we can visually see this beauty, the beauty of what it looks like to have to do something well, or the the disaster that happens when you don't do something well. Um, so so the the humanities um, are essential to classical education. But something else that classical education really relies on is uh, language. So I'm, I'm sure many people, when they think of classical education, they will think of the trivium. The trivium is often brought out um, as um, a way of teaching classical education. Classical education does, of course, believe in the trivium, which is like the three roads, and um, it's a system of how we can learn. The first one is uh, through grammar, which means understanding the basic, the, the obvious elements that are around us, beginning with everything you see and just learning what that is. And then logic. Logic is that part of, of learning where you begin to uh, think deeper about what you see and try to put things together and connect the dots behind the scene. And then there's the part that's called rhetoric, which is when you really do understand your subject and you want to start talking about it and tell everyone about it. Um, but all three of those, while they are a pattern of learning, all three of those are really based on language. So the modern, the more modern rise of science and math, um, while it's extremely valuable, it, it rests in large part on an understanding of language, on an understanding of uh, how we should be conducting ourselves in any given situation, um, and how we can, uh, in, in some sense, um, tap into our own virtues and our own ability to be courageous and to be strong and all these things that we need to be when we're facing complex moral issues that are being brought about by scientific um, uh, by scientific um, discoveries these days. So uh, rather than sort of dealing with current issues one-on-one -on -one and, and playing a whack-a-mole of, of the next, uh, you know, debate that comes up or the next issue that comes up that we need to address, we don't, what a classical education will do is give you tools tools of language to understand, to, uh, to express yourself, to study the, to study what it is that's coming up, uh, what, what it is we're being presented with. And then with those tools, um, we can then move ahead into current events, feeling very confident that we can address them uh, because we've been given um, a rich history. We've been taught a rich history of what has happened in the past and how people behave and what trajectories and trends are. And then we are able to communicate well on what we think.
about the situation. Thank you. So is that what you would say is one of the biggest strengths of a classical education then, that ability to think critically and to communicate well? Um, what what would you say are the biggest strengths of a classical education? Yeah, I, I would think that is um, some of the biggest strengths. Um, being able to equip someone with the tools of learning or the tools of managing themselves uh, in any given situation is something that will equip a person to be able to uh, go forward into whatever situation they may find themselves in. Um, And also to know that we aren't making this up like while recent recent years have seen classical education rise to the front and become very popular, if you will. Becoming popular is actually an anti-classical thing (laughs) Um, because it wasn't ever popular in the sense that everybody wanted to do it. It was just the thing that everybody did, right? It's like you put your shoes on when you go outside. That's what you did. So now uh, we're figuring out that, you know, we maybe should learn how to Uh, put our shoes on when we go outside again and it's very popular to do that but there's a reason why it's popular um, because there are truths embedded in it um, that uh, we 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 feel them we we feel the harmony of of uh, the truths that we learn as we learn the humanities as we learn the tools of of how to deal with our current culture and how to conduct ourselves it sounds to me like it's a very elevating form of education. If you're studying biographies and character and heroes, legends, that sort of thing, I think it it can give you almost a picture of something to aspire to. Like it sounds very inspiring. Can you speak to that? Yes, uh, it, it, that is a huge deal with, with um, the way I personally educate. And I believe that um, we should be teaching children. We should be pointing them to, we should be giving them heroes to aspire to. We should be showing them goals that are lofty and high, not in the expectation that they're going to reach them all or all be heroes, but every ordinary person wants to be a hero or they, every ordinary person wants to do something great at some point. Um, And it can just be something as simple as being a faithful wife or being a mother who faithfully takes care of your children and feeding them every day. Um, Those things don't look very glamorous, but when we show children what it looks like to be a hero or to be, um, to, to do something great for the sake of others or to, and when we read, for example, fairy tales, I strongly believe in fairy tales. um, And we tell of the the great and the magnificent and the unattainable being attained. um, We inspire their imaginations to stretch beyond what they thought was ever possible. And so there's a chance. So what we're doing is we're showing them that don't limit yourself to your own mind or to your own um, circumstances. And, And at the same time, don't despise your circumstances or your own limitations hold those things kind of intention Um, but I think we're good at you know staying grounded and keeping our eyes you know in our own circumstances that's kind of our modern world is is very good at keeping us well especially these days at home but somehow our minds have to go beyond home we have to think of loftier and greater things we are made in the image of God after all and uh, so we are his creatures and um, I think it's important for us to to think 
to, to let him inspire us and to think about who he is and his greatness and reach high toward, toward him, toward God, not so much like our own ideas of loftiness. And uh, we could very quickly turn into the Romans where we have these really great virtues and these really great goals, but at the same time, they're not really attainable because we're trying to do them in our own strength. Um, and so a, a good classical education will be very inspiring. It'll be very encouraging, but only as long as we're pointing our children toward Jesus and his ultimate heroic sacrifice. Could you see any pitfalls um, that someone could fall into in trying to implement this style of education? Yes, there's the very uh, human pitfall of pride um, or of idolatry, where we might think to ourselves, I'm going to do this thing because this will be the answer to all of my problems. Um, it sounds like this is going to be the thing that's going to make me a good educator and a good parent teacher, or this is going to make my children the most virtuous and kind children. So that, that, uh, that could very, very easily happen because Sometimes we make it sound like we're teaching an, a kind of education that helps children strive to be better versions of themselves. That doesn't mean, though, that every single person who goes through a good education comes out on the other side a perfect person. Absolutely not. Um, so while you may, I, I think it's important to study this kind of education or to look into I mean, any method of education, um, it's really important not to elevate it as the answer to your life's problems. That that would be a huge uh, problem. Yes, I think that could be a problem with any style of education. When I started homeschooling, we didn't really know about the different styles of education. And most of us were just very school at home at first. But I think now each educational style has a bandwagon and we can get like our style mm -hmm. is the best and it's it's sort of a form of educational snobbery in a way <laughs> like you were saying that you know we could get prideful that that is our that's our style and it's the best and the outcomes are all going to be uh perfect but if we choose the style but we are dealing with humans here and uh, and we are human so it's not a it's not a formula that we can all right. just put in the inputs and everything's going to come out equals at the end. So when I think of classical yeah, education, exactly. yeah. So when I think of classical education, I also think that it's a pretty rigorous form of education. Like if I was, if I were to contrast it with unschooling, say, for example, I feel like classical education is perhaps, or could lend itself to being somewhat, closer on the spectrum to traditional and, um, and sort of academically rigorous. Is there, do you think that there's a way that cl if you're classically educating, you could fall into that trap of being way like too schooly and stressing yourself and your kids out? Or do you think that that's not kind of a temptation with classical education? Yes, I think that's uh, particularly true because as we have uh, been, uh, more and more people have been studying classical education over the last 20, 50 years and writing about it, um, some of the books that have come out about classical education have been quite rigorous. They've been quite intense, expecting that in order to do a classical education well, you must teach all this curriculum and you must cover all these subjects and you must do all these things. I think uh, that we've 
actually overthought classical education. I think that the, some of the books that have been written have been actually a denial of classical education and they've turned more into a neoclassical uh, education movement. Um, I don't believe that, that when children were being taught in this way, um, few hundreds of years ago, um, that they had as much curriculum to study as we have today. One of that's one of the downsides of um, education, classical education today is there is so much curriculum, and it can be so overwhelming, and you may think you have to do everything. Well, the truth is you don't. Um, I also strongly believe that the mo that the only voice that we've had on the subject of classical education recently that actually matters is that of Charlotte Mason. And I realize this might be a little bit controversial, especially with uh, really avid Charlotte Mason educators because I love what they do. And I know that there's, it's very easy to follow those six books that Charlotte Mason wrote. But the more you study classical, the more you realize that actually Charlotte Mason's, uh, her, her system is actually rooted in a classical education. So when you read Charlotte Mason or when you understand her method of studying, I believe that she's actually the most important recent voice. All the uh, voices that have come after her have been very helpful. They've been very interesting and they've been very good. It's a conversation that we need to have. But I think that it, we've taken ourselves too seriously and we have to dial it back a little bit and we have to stop trying to uh, over-educate, thinking that that is classical education when it's really not. Thank you. And you're being so good to be able to answer my questions that I'm coming up with on the fly that aren't on the sheet that I gave you ahead of time. But that's where conversations <laughs> go, right? So I've always felt that Charlotte Mason... That's what I love about it. <laughs> yes, me too. I've always felt that Charlotte Mason kind of like dovetails right up with what I see as classical education. So it's very interesting that you have said that. Thank you. And I, and we will be having a podcast episode specifically on Charlotte Mason education. So it'll be interesting to hear what the Charlotte Mason people have to say um, in terms of that as well. Thank you. Could you describe a sample day of classical education for us? Now that's, it's kind of a silly question because every single homeschool is different. Every family is different, but if you could just give us some kind of idea, maybe thinking of some of the, what I would think of as the hallmarks of classical education, if you could put a couple of those in there, I think that would be helpful just so that we can picture it. Yeah, for sure. Um, of course, yeah, everybody's going to have a different day, but I, I like uh, how we do it. I think it's a, it, it really does touch on everything that um, is important uh, to classical education. So we have a small co-op, just a parent-directed uh, co-op where we can, as parents, help each other to teach. And that's kind of sets the tone for our daily life as well, our daily education. Um, one of the things we will start with in our day is Latin. Um, Latin is actually very central to classical education. I've, I've fallen in love with it so much as I was teaching it to my own daughters and now I began teaching it to a small class. Um, and as I've been tutored in it in the higher levels, it helps us to understand what we mean when we say education is language-based. Latin is a language. And as we study Latin, we learn so much about the Roman culture, even about the Christian culture, 
um, especially particularly the um, the epistles where Paul is talking about uh, the Areopagus and you know Diana of the Ephesians. You read through the New Testament um, and you realize that Paul ended up as a prisoner in Rome, um, so, and he was a Roman. Um, so as we study Latin, it unlocks a lot of history for us. It unlocks our English vocabulary um, and it unlocks English grammar and it gives us uh, an understanding of how we use language and how we're able to, um, it supports pretty much the rest of our education. Now, there I go off on a tangent about something I love and it's actually not um, the, the sample of our day. But anyway, so that's usually what we start with. We start off with Latin. Latin also leads us to memorization, which uh, I believe in memorization is a, as a very important uh, function for children. Um, but I think it's important we be careful we don't memorize just anything. The Latin vocabulary is something that's good to memorize, just like times tables are good to memorize. So we'll do we'll do that in um, in our day. They would do Latin, and then. Um, what I do that what I do is I typically gather my children around because um, we've got I've more than I've four children of different ages so I gather them around and then I use the morning basket technique and in the basket I've put all these things that we're going to cover so one of the things we'll start with is poetry and I'll be reading poetry with all of them and then I have a student book for that but I'll use the student book for oral conversation. And the older a child gets, the older my children get, the more I sort of push them just a bit, just a little bit above their ability to uh, to do a little bit more. So for poetry, of course, the oldest ones, after the discussion, they have to be sitting at their desk filling out those student workbooks. Uh, the younger ones, we just have a conversation and they learn so well, uh, just listening and, and talking back and forth. So we do poetry. We we pray together. Prayer, I think, and, and teaching your children spiritual disciplines is a really important thing. So we'll, we'll, we'll pray and we'll talk about what are we going to pray about and who are we going to pray about. And then we will have a time where we read through a number of works. And I do a loop schedule with what I'm reading. So I have a, a science text, uh, you know, we're reading through um, exploring the world of biology. So it's not like a textbook, um, but it's a good story on, on science. So we'll read through that. We'll read through a history book, not necessarily story of the world, but something like that, where it's a chronological history, but also it can just be like a, a one-off, a period of history that we want to read about. And then we'll read, um, we'll just read a piece of literature, like we're reading Heidi, um, and we'll just read through that. Um, and then I read through uh, also a, a book, um, sort of this whatever I you know whatever I feel like reading at that point I think right now we're reading through um saints in church history I think you know you could read a missionary story but just pick something that you feel there's a, a pressing need that our family learns about this right now so I got four works four slots and I rotate that every day so we'll read two books one day and then we'll read two books the next day and then the next day if we only read one book we start at the top again we just read one book maybe but then the next day we get to do the two middle books and then we do the last book so we, we just kind of rotate but that that's a kind of memory that I believe children are learning as well when we read them stories so they're memorizing at that point their moral imagination is then memorizing who these people are and what they did and how they behaved. That's why I think it's really important to include literature um, as well as historical accounts, um, because they're going to, the children are memorizing at that point, they're, they're memorizing uh, behaviors. So from the story, then I'll move into recitation time. And recitation is where I take those, those bits of memory that I want my children 
uh, those things that I want them to memorize um, and I'll have them recite. So usually those are things like Latin vocabulary words. Um, I have them recite times tables. Um, the little ones I have them counting from one to 20. Um, and then I have them recite English grammar as well. So English grammar is another one of those things where you just gotta memorize the rules. Like the four parts, the eight parts of speech are just the eight parts of speech. And so we gotta memorize that. So they the, the recite English grammar as well. Um, and that's as far as I go with recitations. Um, I don't find it helpful for them to memorize and record a whole, you know, the scientific, uh, the uh, scientific table of periodic elements. I don't find that helpful, especially at this point. It will be helpful later on, but at these younger ages, it's so disconnected from um, everything they're learning. So uh, we'll leave those things out. That that kind of sums up our morning time. And we we have, uh, during our co-op time, we, we also have a time of art where we'll take an artist and we'll study and we'll talk about it. Um, it's really, honestly, 15 minutes to 30 minutes a week is so much it's so rich and I put art all over my house so I, I take that artist's work um, and we have these beautiful portfolios that are printed off for us and I hang them up on the walls and we just talk about them so you create this environment we create this environment in our home and that's I know a very sure amazing principle but as well but that's what we do here too where we create this environment in our home where the fine art is on the walls and we talked about them deliberately but we just leave them there to look at and to be beautiful around us and then um, after we've had that time of gathering together then the older ones have to go off to their desks and they have to do that book work classical education i believe it it leaves a lot of room for the students own pursuits but i also yes yeah, so they can they do their own pursuits but i think it also really teaches a child to push themselves a little bit just a little bit, tiny little increments. I think that's an important thing because there will always be times in our lives when we have to do something we don't want to do. And so to be able to assess that task, uh, I know math can be just, I have a very literary family and for us, math can be really difficult. And it's not because they don't know it. Um, it's because they just don't want to do it. It's that transition from right now I'm puzzling and then you just told me to do math and I don't want to do that transition. And so we have a struggle there. So to be able to identify for a child, okay, but this is that time in your life when you need to gather up every bit of courage you have, be thankful for the time of puzzling and move into this time of studying math so that you give math its place, you respect it, and you study it well, so you understand it and you love it and you give it a fair chance. Otherwise, you know, you get that you get that thing where you're like, my kid hates math. Well, yeah, that could be, um, but I think it's, but do we, are we are we um, showing them that it's not so much the math, but their person, their, their attitude, their character at this point. Um, and so we really work on that when it comes to the book work. After the morning time of reading and recitation, when it comes to sitting down doing the book work, where those little struggles come up and where that irritation comes along and where we sort of get those pushbacks, we spend time and we assess that and we say, what is it here? Do you not understand it or just not want to? Um, and, and then we push them along. Yes, I don't like doing the dishes either, but it's my dish night and I'm going to have to do them. So I might as well have a good attitude about it. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And I think with children in particular, if you've trained them in their habits, uh, this is another really important thing. Charlotte Mason, but it's also very classical. Give them good habits when they're little. Give them good habits of brushing teeth and picking up clothes so that those things become second nature so that when they're teenagers, that you're not fighting them over picking up their clothes off the bedroom, but you're helping them to see that they have to pull that hold themselves together they have to find that character within themselves to look at this work that has to be done and to do it well and to respect it and then eventually what will come of that is they will love it Um, and as you do that pattern with them a few times they start to recognize that in order for me to love this I do need to put a little bit more effort in than I'm currently putting in that's a that's a pattern that's a tool that you're teaching them that will serve them all their life yes it makes me think of my son does not love it when I'm giving him constant instructions so one day I said if you just look around and see what needs to be done and do it then I won't have to tell you what to do. And he took that to heart and he doesn't, I don't have to tell him what to do very often because he just sees what needs to be done and does it even as a means of avoiding being told what to do, but he's learning initiative anyway. Exactly. Well, this has been very instructive. Thank you so much, Esther, for talking to us about classical education. And I will be putting links in the show notes to a paper that Hester's working on a position paper about classical education and also to her business, which is classical education books. And you can hear more about Hester and classical education on another episode that we did. And I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Well, thanks so much for this time, Rowan. I enjoy it very much. And I hope that uh, I hope that it's a blessing to many people. Thank you. I think it will be. And thanks so much for your time, Hester. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. You can find helpful links and show notes for this episode at our website, canadahomeschools.com. Please share this podcast with your friends and leave a rating and positive review on your podcast provider. This will help others find their dose of inspiration and encouragement. Happy homeschooling, Canada! Hee <laughs> hee.